You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. We are actually in Easton, Maryland at the Waterfowl Festival. And though I have known this guest for a while, we actually get some time to do this in person. So today on the show, I have Logan Webster, founder of Camo Retro. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Yeah. So I love it when I get to do this in person. It's way better. So, And you're a busy guy, so this, this helps. So kind of how I like to start is I kind of like to start with your background and not just what you do, but in the outdoors in general. So like all the way back to being a little kid, getting introduced to the outdoors. So how did that start for you? And when did that love for the outdoors and waterfowl kind of begin? Yeah, I mean, I got to admit, I I didn't have the appreciation for it. Uh, as a kid that I do now. Yeah. Uh, that's certainly true because I, I grew up in it and I was pretty spoiled yeah, in that way. I feel you. Um, and that, you know, I can thank my mentors growing up for that. Uh, my dad, obviously a big part of that and uh, my uncles as well and those who are as close as family. Uh, former Arkansas Game and Fish Commissioner Lester Seitz uh, is one of those. Consider him as close as family. So I can't not be thankful for those individuals uh, that have steered me in that direction. So growing up in the woods and uh, just uh, this today is actually the first deer season, opening day of deer season I've missed in Arkansas in my entire life. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm across the country, so it feels a little, uh, it feels a little weird uh, calling in and getting an update from uh, friends and family in the yeah. woods back home. Nobody killed anything real big, did they? No. Okay, no. good. No. The, or <laughs> they're just hiding it from me. And uh, yeah, hiding it from me. It's weird. All my game cams are offline right now. Uh, the <laughs> cell service, they just completely, I guess they took all the batteries they out of them. They for you. <laughs> they don't, they did, there's something they don't want me to see. But uh, I grew up in the woods with, uh, with uh, certainly... Uh, it being a lifestyle uh, there in Arkansas, Southwest Arkansas, and uh, went on to uh, school, uh, University of Arkansas uh, for college, and spent time up there. That was, uh, I thought I was going to go into working collegiate athletics, and okay. uh, then I realized that is the worst profession on earth to go into <laughs> if you ever care about duck hunting, because college football and uh, yeah, duck no. hunting, while you can enjoy them both in the same day from the comfort of your 
couch and cabin. Uh, if you want to work in that field, yeah, you better be not that. enjoy duck hunting. <laughs> That's probably the least I've ever hunted in my life was when I was working. Yeah, uh, Working in college um, for Razorback Athletics and attending college, the two of those Yeah, and things. you didn't go straight into this. You... Kind of, what, what did you, where did your career go first before you, before you started Camera Retro? Camera Retro, yeah. Yeah. So I worked full time for the university when I was there. Okay. Uh, between the chancellor's office and uni- and uh, Razorback Athletics. Okay. Uh, coming out of college, I worked two summers for the United States Senate. Uh, okay. For then. In D.C. S- or in Arkansas? D.C. For okay. then Senator Mark Pryor. Okay, so that's very different as well. That was different, and uh, from that, I rolled into uh, I rolled into working corporate America. So I worked for uh, Tyson Foods, um, doing public relations and a sort of mix of things there. So, well, how did Camo Retro develop, and when were you like, oh, this is something I can do? <laughs> so, if people who don't know about Camo Retro, the best way I can say is like. It's like um, if you know what Poshmark is or that sort of thing, like re- clo- thread up some yeah. sort of clothing resale, but it's camo. Yeah. So when, yeah, how did that develop? And when did you think like, oh my God, this is actually going to be a lucrative choice? <laughs> well, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't was by no means a fiscal endeavor. Uh, yeah. uh, was that, that's not where it was. And I've always had my side hustles. If you knew me in college, freshman year, I was known as the guy that was fixing everybody's iPhone. Okay. Um, you would just slide it under the door to my dorm room and uh, my roommates knew to put it in a box and I'd fix the screen and then uh, somebody would uh-huh. be by to pick it up the next day. Went on to doing uh uh, restoration of condos and apartments in uh, Northwest Arkansas yeah. uh, with Walt. And I've always had something going on on the side. Yeah. I guess that's just how I'm wired, which growing up on a farm, uh, grew up on a chicken farm, cattle farm in Southwest Arkansas, and there was always work to do. And I guess I just always needed that. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's funny because Camo Retro is probably the first side thing that I started that wasn't like, okay, this is just some, this is a gig. This is some side income. Yeah. I'll take it back to being a kid and growing up in the woods um, with dad. And I remember wearing his coveralls as hand-me-downs and the coveralls would just get the the legs and the arms were rolled up. And every right. year you just roll it down, you, you take it off the hanger and you just roll it down a little bit further yeah, until exactly. one day you magically fit in them. And so the clothing aspect, you know, it goes that far back. I've got a photo that I can show you of me uh, coming straight off the deer stand to a pine car derby, uh, head to toe, mossy oak breakup, uh, just got off the deer stand and won uh, the pine car derby. I'm sitting there just camo and then pine car derby <laughs> trophy. So there's a lot of those memories going back and dad just really enjoyed buying camouflage apparently. Yeah. Uh, without knowing it, I grew up in a bit of a museum for camouflage. Yeah. He, it's funny cause he is, he is not picky at all. You, he never matched camos. It was right. basically convenience, whatever was the closest, even to this day, I'm talking like this was years. This is still happening this morning, yeah <laughs> i know he just looked at okay there's a shirt there's some pants we're good to go as long as you know it's not bright green in the fall he's yeah, he's not yeah. very picky um but he to this day and I'll, I'll i need to go on the record saying this not a single stitch of my dad's clothing has ever been sold on my website oh he, wow he does not 
sell. No, never. Like that is, <laughs> that is not him. So for me, finding, uh, finding inventory in the beginning was tough when I decided to go to a marketplace, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but without knowing it, I grew up in a museum of camouflage yeah. essentially, and I could look at camo patterns. It wasn't something that I thought was unique. Yeah. So like, did your dad, and maybe he didn't even think about it. Like, did he just like camo patterns and that's why he bought them or just was it more like, oh, this is new, I'll get it. This is on sale, I'll get it. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so he just more of a hoarder of camo than really a, little, a collector. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, if it wasn't for my mom, we might have a lot more. Yeah, I know that. In yeah. our family, the men are the ones with the clothes buying problem. <laughs> now, it's all hunting clothes, but... Uh, and he's, he's still got stuff up there with the tags on it from however long ago. We had a place called Columbia Sewing Outlet in Hope. Okay. Um, not affiliated with Columbia. Right, yeah. It's like, I don't think I've heard of it. Clothing that we own, you know, like the Omnitech jacket. They did work for them, but this is a completely different in an in entity. So for the purpose of education, don't get the two confused as yeah. I talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Columbia Sewing Outlet did the original run of uh, products for McAllister. Okay. The brand out yeah. of Little Rock. Uh, those original run of products were made in Hope, Arkansas, the wax canvas and stuff, just as an example of the products coming through there. So we would get a lot of stuff from there. I know that. I remember going through there at the end of the season with dad, their little like seconds room basically, and uh, picking up a lot of a lot of stuff there. And I just remember seeing the patterns, knowing the names. Yeah. It's funny because like I never, I mean, I grew up around hunters and I never knew names of anything. I mean, it was yeah. all around me, but I just, I didn't even know. I don't think I realized I even had names. Yeah. I just like pointed it out like that's this, you know, and and I probably had it worse than you when it came to like wearing the big stuff as being a girl. Like, because uh, yeah. then I, I mean, it was big on me forever. So right. I would always, when I thought of camo, I really would think about it. It's like, this actually will fit me. Yeah. Like, I thought about it that way because it was <laughs> such a pain. So, yeah, it's funny the way what you pick up on and what you don't pick up on. Right. Yeah. And it's that's interesting that you pick and that I, up. And I've had a friend at one point tell me, he's like, it's really weird that you know just all these camouflage patterns. It's not weird. <laughs> it's not weird. We are in Easton, Maryland, and you have seen decoy collector after yeah. random artifact collector, and they can all tell you some random information. So They can, and I've had the pleasure to talk to a few of them, and I have to look up her name because she was such a pleasure to talk to. Rosemary, and forgive me, Rosemary, I cannot remember your last name right now, and the picture I took of your name tag is too blurry, but I was talking to her, just about the show and her her and her husband's history here and in this area. Uh, rich history, obviously. You and I were touching on that with somebody else about how Far further back. back everything goes here than the Mississippi flyway. And we were talking about uh, just... I, my, I brought up my website and yeah. stuff and she said oh um, buy and sell there's a whole room in the gymnasium where they're doing that stuff and, and I said oh does anybody have any clothes? And she looked at me. Clothes? Said, like jackets and stuff and she said to buy and said, yeah and she said oh i don't think so and i was like well that's what i collect is hunting clothes and she looked at me like i was insane but that's really funny yeah i, I guess that's just my corner um yeah no you are and i i wonder like i think it might be and tell me what you think about this i think it might be generational i think because if you think about it the camp so you can tell me exactly when camo really started to happen but uh, we'll get into that but I think it, it was later um and the this generation that I mean the collecting generation I mean 50 is young 
Right. So they are looking at old decoys. They're looking at old shotguns. They're looking at calls. You know, that goes, because that goes, that history goes even farther back than camo, right? I mean, you had like wax clothing and stuff then, but they didn't really have camo patterns. So for us, uh, like, I guess, millennial generation, the camo patterns are nostalgic to us. Like we were, there weren't wooden, especially in the Mississippi flyaway, there were no wooden decoys to see being hunted over. It was just plastic. And that doesn't quite have the same nostalgic. I just don't think it holds that. I had that exact conversation with the Yeah, I don't think it holds the same nostalgia for me as actually the hunting patterns. That, I see a hunting pattern and I can see my dad in 1980. Eight, like yeah. coming back from turkey hunting. Like I right. like that has some power for me in our generation. So I think that's why you're not seeing. I think you've kind of, uh, it's obvious that you've kind of hit on something that people haven't. It's like new. It's you've hit on a new thing to collect, a new thing to be kind of hold dear. Yeah. Well, I completely stumbled into it. It yeah. was, it, it wasn't um, something I set out to do necessarily. And even my dad, my dad's pretty, I don't know if he knows exactly the patterns by name, but he can look at a pattern from across a room and make a friend. Like, yeah. he, I'm going to go talk to that guy. He's wearing camouflage. <laughs> or it's um, that he'd point out a vest or a jacket and say, my buddy Joey from college had that same vest. And here's the hunt that we went on. And that's a story that was locked away for him until yeah. he saw that vest and thought of that moment. And those are the stories that I perked up at age 26 or so. Okay. And thought, well, you know, these are the stories that my mentors have to tell. Uncle Randy, Uncle Rodney, my dad. What are the stories that their gear has to tell? And so I took, I started asking them, hey, that Uncle Randy, that hat you always wear, tell me about it. How long have you had it? Uh, Looks like it got shot once upon a time. Uh, What's this rip on the side? You know, those are questions to ask anybody. And I encourage anybody listening to this, ask your mentor in the outdoors or somebody that you really look up to. If you notice a little cut or scrape or something on a jacket or even just ask about the jacket uh, itself, who gave it to you? Uh, Did you buy it yourself? Did you have to save every money, every (laughs) penny working some summer to have it? Uh, what's, What's the story that your gear has to tell? And that's where Camo Retro was born initially. And it was a blog series. I talked about a few um, items in retrospect, kind of a retrospective gear review overlaid with here's the stories that Uncle Randy had to tell about his hat. And uh, that was for me. That wasn't for any, that was, I wrote, I put all that on paper for me. And that was just sometimes over the course of an entire hunting season, just asking the right questions and jotting them down. And uh, the original site was just a blog site. It wasn't e-commerce. And uh, I, that took off fairly well. And people loved hearing the stories or the feedback I got. And when I say it took off, I mean, somebody actually responded to one (laughs) of the, I got an email that uh, it could have been as as little as that. It's it's hard to um, think back on it right now. But um, I, I took a step back after putting those out there. And because uh, that took, like I said, an entire season to come up with one thing. So right. to write about enough enough uh, for people to read. And I took a back, step back and said, OK, what am I what am I doing this for? If this goes further and this was all while I was working corporate yeah. America as well, mind you. If I take this further, what does that look like? Why am I doing it? Right. And uh, I just unlocked a whole new chapter of storytelling from people that I'd been hearing the same stories from all my life. Now, I love those stories, but yeah. to discover something new was really special to me. 
now is that why I'm doing this at this point? Well, I, I took pen to paper and wrote down some things. The first one was uh, that I landed on. I'm doing this to elevate an awareness and appreciation yeah. for legacy and heritage goods okay. and, uh, the, and the stories those goods have to tell. And uh, I took a step back further and said, okay, telling these stories, if I started sharing other people's stories or sourcing stories, that kind of thing. Uh, and the storytelling aspect is something I am yeah, I fervently trying about. to get back to. Okay, <laughs> but, I have a question about that. Yeah, actually, absolutely. So we'll get back to it. The, I was like, well, let's take it, a, let's elevate that a little bit. And can I give people the chance to own this stuff, own a piece of that heritage and legacy? And what does that look like? Well, that's a marketplace. That's where I started sourcing stuff to sell myself. And that was me, so Logan you, you were Webster, the, yeah. the first seller on the okay. site. But that's when it was just me selling to everybody. And then I realized that only went so far. That only scaled so much. There's only so much I could do, especially yeah. working a full-time corporate job. Yeah. So I, I spent, I was actually recovering from tonsillitis. I couldn't talk for six weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was 20, at that time, I think 28, 27, 28. And I learned how to build a C2C marketplace website. So that's one where you, Katie, can go on the site, make an account, list your stuff on Camo Retro. Right. And the site takes a commission when you sell something. Okay. That's when it transformed into that. And that was 2019. Okay. When that when that transition happened. Did COVID make it blow up? COVID was definitely I assume a, with that, yeah, like, yeah. Can't not thank COVID for some of it. I was like, that's really good timing yeah. to start something like that. People are wanting to do things. They... They end up having some money, and really oddly, some yeah. people did. Yeah, I would think that would blow it up. And, and the time to pay attention yeah. to it mm-hmm. as well. And also looking in, I, I talk about closets and cabins full of this yeah. stuff and the chance to dig into there. And some yeah. really cool things were unearthed. I mean, I know there was a lot of, it wasn't everybody's favorite time, but there were some corners. No, it, it did, like it benefited quite a few things in the waterfowling world, uh, decoy collecting made a huge jump for like what you said, the time to go online and look at these things. Pay attention. They were bored. Yeah. <laughs> so it gave us well, something to do. Well, you're literally staring at, you know, staring at whatever storage bin or closet or even just yeah. the decoy that's up on the shelf that you've been like, one of these days I'm going to look into that. And I guess you finally had the yeah, time Yeah, so that, that. makes it made perfect sense. And I didn't realize that's when you started. I knew that's kind of about the time I became aware of you. But that makes sense that, yeah, you would have blown up then. So, uh, and then the other two parts, just real quickly, were to uh, increase accessibility to goods yeah. in in the industry, whether that's old or new, um, old, giving you the chance to own a piece of heritage and legacy, just like everybody's doing here with the uh, decoy stuff. When before you, I guess most people would get off eBay? Yes, okay. and still do. Yeah. I mean, I'm aware that other marketplaces still yeah, exist. But, yeah, of course, but I would think, and I say this with like collectors too, like there's always that chance with eBay, like that you're not getting what mm-hmm. you're paying, what you think you're getting. Yeah. Um, and that's always kind of the risk of doing yeah. it through eBay. And that's fine. eBay is a great place and they have these opportunities, but if you're wanting authentic, you have to run, you know, you've got somewhat of a risk when you go those those routes. Absolutely. And yeah. luckily counterfeit vintage hunting apparel is not a very common thing. No, it's mostly just hats, <laughs> right? I'm guessing that would be the majority. Even then, like you have to 
basically fake. There's so much you have to fake. The yeah. stitching, the, I mean, it is incredibly hard yeah. to duplicate uh, It's mostly just like logo that. thief, right? Logo, th- yeah, branding thief, that kind of stuff. But I mean, I can, I can tell you if... I'm pretty confident in telling you what something is when it's from. And there's, yeah. there's others I can reach out to if I'm not your guy. And, yeah. uh, there's a pretty good, cool community. It's not really formalized in any way. Um, somebody's probably going to listen to this podcast and do that. That's yeah, fine. That's, that's their fine. torch to carry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it is a niche marketplace. Yes. It is that. And it's very hands-on with the transactions. So it is 100% scam-free. Yeah. And uh, if you want to challenge me on that, I'm happy to have a conversation <laughs> yeah. with you. But uh, you do not get paid on my site until you've delivered your item to the to the customer, and they've had uh, three days to look at it after right. it's been delivered, and that's when payment processes. And that niche, being a niche marketplace, is beneficial to the customer because they are looking for they are looking on a marketplace that is fine tuned to exactly what. They're yeah. looking for it's not, uh, not the, digging the, through a million different things. The yeah. joke on eBay is you type in camo, camouflage anything, and you're going to get served ads for flip flops. Like that's yeah. <laughs> so this there's like none you of put that in noise. Duck and you get mostly Donald Duck. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so uh, so it, it's a niche marketplace for the customer. There, it's a fine tuned marketplace for the seller. You benefit off of that because the customer is paying for convenience and they are willing to pay a premium for that convenience. Now sell stuff for whatever it makes sense for you. And certainly don't, um, this is not me now, nor will I ever advocate for anybody selling grandpa's jacket. Yeah, you're right. uh, No, but if you find or come across things in thrift stores and you want to sell it and get it out to help get it out there. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that is that second part is, uh, increasing accessibility to it, help letting somebody first learn about it, the elevating awareness and appreciation, and then own a piece of it. Yeah. And whether that's new or old stuff, for so for somebody looking for that vintage piece that reminds them of their mentor that's since passed on and who knows what happened to the jacket or the hat, um, it might be the new hunter who the barrier for entry in the for them to hunt for the first time is higher and higher. Yeah. Buying and buying a functional jacket that's stood the test of time. They can get it for a lower price point on the site. Um, so increasing accessibility is true in that way too. And it's not necessarily the, the vintage aspect of it from a collector side. It's just getting into the industry and maybe not that person, but maybe the generation after them that inherits that same jacket, maybe they're the next champion in conservation. And if it wasn't for buying that jacket once upon a time off camo retro, yeah. that, that chapter may have never unfolded in it's that true. way. true. Yeah. You don't, you never know. Like, it's like, well, I mean, I think the interesting thing that just having this conversation with you is like what you clung to versus what I clung to is not the same thing, but we kind of got in the same direction. Yeah. And you never know what that, spark is going to be for somebody and when it comes to recruiting and retaining hunters and conservationists like throw everything at the wall like and get that spark and you know we talk about this a lot on here I've taught I think there's a carver who's a good friend of mine Cameron McIntyre he's a modern carver and he mentioned this one time and it stuck with me I don't, I have, and it's getting someone to that point, but that time in the morning before you're shooting, but when you're sitting in the marsh and the ducks are coming in and the sun is coming up and it's just quiet and magical, it's hard to get someone there, right? Yeah. Like, 
But if you can get someone there, I don't think there's a person out here that out there that cannot appreciate that moment. It's, it's, there's no words for it. Yeah. It's just magical. And yeah. then that's what hooks us. It's yeah. not shooting ducks. It's sitting there and seeing all that. And yeah, yeah like what you said, like you don't know what that spark's going to be, what's going to get them going. Yeah. And yeah, throw everything at it. And it's uh, <laughs> that moment. Nirvana, we'll call it, is uh, much more enjoyed when you're not wet and cold. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You're in nice gear that yeah. you like spent some time in. And, you know, I was thinking about that too. Like my dad was not a picky camo guy. He never has yeah. been. He doesn't match either. Maybe he does for turkey hunting. Yeah. But that's more because he's more serious. Yeah. <laughs> but he, has, he thinks about it that way. But you brought I, up a good point with you know, going to thrift stores and stuff. Yeah. That's something I encourage people to do. Um, if you find something that's not your size, not your style, still pick it up and find somebody who would have a use yeah. for it. Now, if you so choose to use camoretro.com as a place to list your stuff, fantastic. That's obviously my, you know, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, pitch for myself. But I am a resource. Reach out yeah. on Instagram uh, to through our email. There's emails all over the website reach out to me. If you happen to find somebody who has my phone number, feel free to text me. <laughs> Saturday mornings for me are responding to a lot of people yeah. who are out thrift shopping, estate sales, garage yeah. sales, what have you. I see you. my estate sales a lot. Yeah. So yeah. feel free to reach out and um, yeah. I'm happy to guide you in the right direction or tell you what it what it is. And yeah. if you're raiding the family cabin closet um, too, definitely seek out those stories attached to that gear. And if you're on the fence about deciding to sell something or not through whatever means, trade it to somebody or even just to hand it down, try to find the stories attached to that gear. And if it doesn't have a story to tell me personally, that's the stuff that I'm, I'm more soon to give up is if I don't have a story to tell for it and I haven't worn it in a season, it's probably going to yeah. go. Could um, be really comfortable though. Yeah. Well, if <laughs> it could be, I just, it, I can let go of things. Like it's, yeah, it's therapeutic too. for me. Now that is that is the person saying that is also the person that has hundreds of pieces of inventory for the website that I can pull off of at any time. So I, I realize I'm I'm saying it with saying that too. Yeah. But uh, I think oh, and then the third part of yeah, why yeah. I'm doing this was um, to reinvest in the industry. And the way that happens is there's so much unrealized. Um, cash flow in the industry from stuff that is sitting in, again, those cabins and closets and rotting more yeah. or less. And uh, so to bring that stuff out of, you know, we'll call it retirement, yeah. get it out there into the economy of this industry. Well, that's cash back in the seller's pocket that wasn't there before that they might turn around and spend on, help spend on dog training, buy a new set of decoys, a call and I realize we're talking about ducks here. Um, you know, well, it doesn't matter. Duck, yeah. <laughs> but anywhere in the industry, um, it's a way to reinvest in that way. And so yeah. that's really, that's how I look at it. That's uh, that's the purpose that it serves and the value that it brings to yeah. the industry. In my mind, that's, yeah. that's where I'm coming from. I can agree with that. Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. 
Learn more at ProPlantSport.com. Let's get back to a question. And you mentioned I didn't know this about you. And you talked about writing and telling stories. So have you always liked to write and tell stories? Like, is that something I didn't know that about you? That's something I just learned. I worked for my town paper growing okay. up uh, in Nashville, Arkansas. That's the high. I went to Nashville High School and I worked for, that's actually a story in and of itself. I won't get too far deep into it, but a town, uh, imagine a town of 4,600 people with two newspapers. That, yeah, okay. <laughs> and they were owned by brothers. Interesting. Um, the same family. It was, it was a really interesting time. And I did work. I was actually, uh, gosh, I wonder who's going to listen to this podcast. But I was, uh, I was doing work for both newspapers okay. at the same time. And eventually one newspaper said, can we just pay you to only work for us? Because... Yeah. We won't, you know, so we won't the only, we won't be the only ones with the story or the photograph at times. And, yeah. Uh, that led me to go to college for journalism. Okay. And that's what my degree is in journalism with a focus on public relations and advertising. Okay. And marketing works its way in there too. Yeah. But, I mean, when you get down that road. Yeah. <laughs> and that's storytelling's always been important to me. It turned more into visual storytelling for me along mm-hmm. the way, not okay. so much the written, but I I love hearing the stories and I love relaying those stories. Right. And um, I, I do, and actually Camo Retro was an exercise for me to get back into written storytelling okay. that wasn't through the lens of corporate America. I did some... Um, yeah, I do kind of some more personal Yeah, thing. absolutely. Yeah. And, and find my own voice again, because I spent a lot of time doing ghostwriting and writing blogs on okay. behalf of... Sub- well, in, I shouldn't say that. In corroboration with subject matter experts on behalf of my employer. Right. And uh, it's just not the same. And no. I needed to... I needed to... You need that creative outlet. Yeah, that's so that, yours. That's a great question, because that's... And that's the answer. Yeah. And that, that is definitely... Uh, what got camera retro i think it's interesting in that because what what sparked me into it like was that to appreciate history and older things i think you also have to have a love of stories i think they kind of go together it's hard i feel like a lot of people who aren't i don't that could be wrong i'm just you know think arm, out loud arm this yeah, a little yeah. bit but yeah i think that's i mean because I, I'm not a writer. I was, I did, I, I painted and things like that when I was younger and was always very into art. And that was kind of something that I've been that way since I was a kid. But I've always been really interested in people's stories. And I've always been interested in older people because I thought they had a lot to tell. And I think to get into history, you kind of have to have that love of hearing what people say. And and the, that is a really what brought me to museums was this connection that an object can have a story. And that's, I didn't expect that to be your answer earlier, that that's what got you into it, is that the object was what you wanted to hear the object story and how it connected, um, what its thread was through this history, yeah. which is really, I, I, I get it completely. Like, yeah. I really understand that. Um, it's really, I didn't think about that with camo, but it's true, like, I think of, yeah, like there's a hat that my dad had. I can think of it today. And it was his like first chairman. His He was chairman of his like 
local chapter for DU. Yeah. And he wore that thing everywhere. Too bad yeah. it looks terrible now. He took very <laughs> bad care of it, but we still have it. Yeah. And I think of him going out at night to go to those dinners and go to meetings. And he was so proud of that hat. He was so he? proud of that hat. <laughs> he, he, he ended up getting, I think it was cha- he was cha- chapter of the year. Like he's a, such an overachiever, my dad. Yeah. But yeah, so he, he did really well. And of course he, he's a bragger. So we got to hear all about it as kids. Yeah. But yeah, I could think about those things. And I can think about my grandfather hunting and the vest he wore. And yeah, and it's it's hard. The interesting thing that you pull out of it that I got so, in my experience through museums and history and studying, like I would look at objects that weren't related to me at all and want to put it through like some yeah. major part of history that I was interested, be that the depression or something like that. And I never really think about it in, my, in terms of my own history. Yeah. And that's that's unique. I like that you've thought you've actually thought about that, and that's how you got into it. And that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so okay. So I guess to make a question out of that long dialogue, <laughs> could you? Because I've never read any. Can you tell me a story that that you love? Yeah. Um, so. The first blog I ever wrote was uh, basically well, it was my dad's jacket, but it was the Columbia Omnitech jacket. Okay. The three in one. I mean, a pretty innovative piece. You had Bob Allen and 10X and some others that had made very similar jackets before, but Columbia just hit the nail on the head with that jacket. And uh, I know there's going to be a lot of people nodding their head listening <laughs> to this. And I, I, I do have to say that telling stories about these products, no matter what brand or manufacturer I mention, I'm standing on the shoulders of the products and brands that these people have built. I have nothing to do with the success and the um, functionality of a lot of those products. you just appreciate it. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So I I just, I do feel the need to say that because I'm not sitting here telling you how great this jacket is that I had something to do with. This is a jacket that my dad wore that was given him before I was even born. Right. But a Columbia Omnitech tree stand jacket that my dad had. And uh, and I did remember when dad told me this story, I I remembered him... uh, telling me the story that he jumped out of the duck blind. It was a jacket that he and his two uh, brother-in-laws, my uncles, all got from my grandmother one year for Christmas. That was their big gift okay. to the to the, the, the men in the family. Yeah. And uh, dad one time hopped out of a duck blind and a nail caught it all the way down the back. <laughs> and I re- after he told me this, I remembered him coming home from hunting that day and being so mad about... <laughs> his jacket getting torn and I remember him trying you know wondering if he could get it fixed or whatever and he uh he called uh Columbia because they had the lifetime warranty on their items back then and said I need a new jacket and well this was the year was 2006 okay so the (laughs) Omnitech was no longer a jacket so I need I need my jacket replaced and they said well you're not gonna send me the one I no I need I won't the jacket just like this. They said, sir, we haven't had a licensing agreement with Mossy Oak in years. <laughs> and uh, so he, they did end up sending him another jacket. It wasn't the same, obviously, and it's hanging up with the tags still on it in our upstairs. <laughs> but dad did get the jacket uh, fixed, mended, and still wears it to this yeah. day. But I, I remembered him coming home so mad about that jacket being ripped torn. Um, and uh, there's... Yeah, there's, I mean, I could, I could sit around and tell 
stories. That's all funny. Day. I like how he wanted to get the original. Yeah. And uh, it's just not how it works. We don't have those sitting around. He, my dad is so funny, and this is totally off topic, but he would go to uh, he would go to yard sales and estate sales, garage sales, or just pawn shops and get all the craftsman tools that were yeah. were all beat up and send them into craftsmen to get the new ones. So, and that's not a thing anymore. Mostly uh, thanks to people like him. But uh, he, if something said lifetime warranty, he made sure he, he cashed was, in he was on gonna, it. He was going to make sure they meant what they said. So uh, you were talking about your dad's DU hat. And I got to say, that is is something I've come to have such an appreciation for are the weird, quirky things, the camouflage patterns that came out. It's just so, it's so odd. It's it's clearly a copycat of two or three different ones. And it's super hyper specific to a region. There's, there's this one pattern up, from the north, from the northwest, called uh, Piney Woods, okay. and it, it's not the most obscure pattern, but it is it is a regional pattern. And uh, just discovering patterns like that that are just off the wall and a little yeah. different. It's basically bottomland with pine needles. Okay, yeah. Uh, it look that's what it looks like. It's an old it's an old pattern. It's nothing yeah. new. And just finding those funky, quirky things that have stories to tell. Yeah. I think the best example of that across the board are all the Ducks Unlimited chapters that go rogue and make their own. Uh... Yes, that's a whole... Th- <laughs> so it's funny. And I'll give Tommy Harden a shout out, our creative director. But yeah, he fights it all the time. And he's like, you know, we have to... You know, he's like in charge of our duck yeah. head. You know, it's like he's the, the keeper of the duck head. <laughs> and he... But, you know, we also... Because it's a history, right? Like... Yep create these chapters go with rogue and creating their own hats and merchandise yeah. their mother-in-law has an embroidery machine they'll make oh, it happen yeah, they make it happen <laughs> i don't need ducks unlimited permission he can't completely so he has to because it's interesting so we don't we, we won't stop it right like mm. we're not going to tell these chapters that they they can't make these special things because they love them and that's it would be kind of cruel to stop. Yeah. Volunteers. And yes, yeah. they're volunteers. They do great things for us. And But he has to like kind of weigh that balance of like, okay, that one's fine. Yeah. I don't know about this one. Yeah, <laughs> it at least merits a conversation. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he does let it go for the most part. Yeah. One that I, I've, I've never sought him out for an answer on this. I've, I've had some conversations with him that are pretty enlightening. Um, this, What was the Snoopy? What was? I don't even know what that is. There's, there's a run of hats that have... Uh, it's not Snoopy, actually. It's like discount, greater value Snoopy, um, <laughs> even complete with little bird. But that, uh, anyways, I need to ask him about yeah, that. Yeah, I need to ask about that. I don't know that one. I think from what I take, and this is just me looking at it through the lens of the merchandise I've seen, golf fundraisers were a huge thing at one point. Yeah, regionally. It depends on where you were, but yes. Um, and they've gone in and out. Like people will go back to them and do them again. Yeah. yeah. Our chapter did one this spring. I just, across the board with, it's it's and it's curious it's curious too how I, I know that just from looking at the merch specifically. I have a question that I, I and I don't know if uh, maybe you can answer maybe you can't but I was just thinking about it when I was coming over here to meet you and you know when I was doing so you have an exhibit with us right now in the museum we should probably mention that please go see it that you helped put together of Ducks Limited camo of our our branded camo um, some of it's the official branded camo we have some non official branded camo but and all the hats and things and. But anyway, I was when I was doing the some of the research for the um, tags, and I was looking at waterfowl camo, like the history of how like duck camo started. It's 
it's hard, clear. I can't decide if it's, if any of it was really true. Like I'd get different answers for how like, like waterfowl camo started. And it was unclear to me what I should trust and what I shouldn't trust. And I don't know if you have an answer for like how cam, I mean, I could find a basic pretty, I could get enough information that I could put together like a really, like, you know, a sentence, like, but I was a little nervous to ever make any claims, right? Like I didn't want to make any claims that weren't true. So do you have any idea of how that timeline happens? And like, cause it, I mean, you can get back to like, it went to like from World War Two or something. It's like a very, it's kind of all over the place and it depends on who you talk to. It is. And I'll give you the answer I have. And okay. if anybody has a better one, I, know. <laughs> I welcome it. Uh, it's, it's a, it can be an evolving conversation. Uh, you have to define camouflage, first okay. of all. So the earliest camouflage is what we see on the animals around us. Right. That's the earliest record of camouflage. Um, now taking that to obviously the clothing that we wear, um, the red flannel, what is, is has been called buffalo camo. Just yep. the, think you're the red, wool rich. Yeah, your big check. Yeah, yep, big checkerboard. Uh, that was developed to break up a pattern of somebody in the woods. So that could be defined as the first camouflage for people hunting. Now the first camouflage, you you get to military and you start looking at military and that camouflage, quote, I'm doing air quotes here, camouflage dates pretty far back. You can find some examples through different conflicts. Um, your earlier, and I'm going to have some military camo buffs come at me from every angle yeah. for a lot of this, I'm sure. If, but, you, if you have an answer, please, I'll, yeah. we'll have a fact check. Uh, splinter camo from uh, <laughs> Germany. You've got you've got um, Allied forces using camo in the Second War towards the end of it. Korean War and Vietnam obviously had a lot of camouflage. That was the first. Vietnam conflict was the first. Um, all camo. All camo issued camo. As I understand it. Okay. Um, like across the board. Across the you, board. Yeah. So the answer to camo for sportsmen yes. is this. Okay. Um, Orvis was the first company to market camouflage for duck hunters. Okay. And that was 1969. Okay. Or thereabouts. Right. Um, I've actually talked to people from Orvis. They relaunched, and this is, I guess, free plug for Orvis, but they, and I really appreciated them reaching yeah, out and having the conversation because I, they walked away with me learning more than I think they learned yeah. uh, from me, but they relaunched a line, I believe it was last year called 1969. And that's where that comes from because okay. they were the first ones. And I've gone through a ton of old, I love old marketing material for yeah, products or even for events. Like the, I've really enjoyed the different houses and shops and stuff I've been yeah. in that have marketing material for this yeah. event going back till whenever, right. same for worlds and yeah. in Stuttgart, they developed that and released and sold that pattern, but they were the first ones to market it. Okay. So that's what I, that's, that's you, my answer. Um, and that's for that marsh, uh, frog, cloud, camo, whatever, okay. old school yeah. camo, is it, as it's That's affectionately splashy. called, splotchy camo. Then fast forward to 1979. I hope I'm getting this, this year correct. It's 74, 79. The way my brain's working right now, it's no, hard to say fine. both. 79 is when Jim Cromley came out with tree bark. Okay. And that was the first commercially available camouflage marketed for timber. Okay sportsman so those are the two that's the origin of camouflage as we think of it think of it today for 
both the duck hunter and the timber hunt timber hunter or the marsh hunter and the timber hunter i should yeah. say not exclusive to ducks but yeah that's my answer okay yeah i was wondering because it was it's not an easy history to like get well anybody could paint a jacket and you could say that was the first one. But if you're looking at it through the lens of which one was available on the market yeah. for people to buy. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty fair definition. Yeah, I think so, too. I Because I, everything I would look at, I was like, oh, that's not how we think of camo. I, yeah. And I like how like, the marketed camo that you could yeah. have gone to Sears or Abercrombie or, or wherever they were selling Orvis at the time. You could Abercrombie go, and Fitch is a great example like, that's of where a you brand. Could buy it. Yeah. yeah, they started as a hunting brand. Yeah. Um, well, Actually, an outfitter, an outfitter, yeah. an outfitter. And uh, then and a lot of companies, Ducksback, Ducksback's great. I love the yeah. Ducksback story, um, how it's gone in and out over time. I don't necessarily love that part of it, but just the history of that company and how they were making wartime uh, oh, goods, yeah. lots of uniforms. I mean, you had a lot of that up in Utica yeah. where Ducksback is out of. All that being said, the most rewarding part of anything I've done or will do is going to trade shows or being out in the field hunting and hearing the stories that people have to tell about their gear. Not only that, but the lessons I learn about the gear, about the conception of some of the stuff, um, whether it's a chicken farmer in the, in the backwoods and backwaters telling me their favorite story about a, a certain camo pattern, or it's somebody who was involved in product development and designing the actual camouflage itself that uh, shares with me a story that I can then carry on to the next person who maybe they design that person designed their favorite product or favorite camo pattern. And that is such a cool place to be. And that's the most fulfilling part of everything. Okay, so then that makes me have another question. Yeah. So, because you go to all these shows and you come across a lot of people who tell you stories or show you an item. Do you have, is there anyone particular that stands out that you remember like meeting someone and them telling your story or showing you an item that you went oh my gosh this is i have so many answers to this question because <laughs> yeah, like just, i said this is my favorite part i'll try to burn i'll try to burn through some um, okay. the most memorable experience i've had was a show um that really wasn't the most successful show for me but this uh this young lady comes into the booth and she's like oh i love all this and she's thumbing through and then my dad she mentioned that her dad was a big hunter and she's thumbing through and then she gets to a certain jacket on the rack and uh i i, tell, I do tell this story often but she gets to a jacket on the rack and just tears, just waterworks <laughs> immediately. And um, I'm standing there with her husband and I'm, is she okay? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what this is about. And then he, then it just comes to him and he says, her dad passed away two weeks ago. And that's the jacket that he wore. Aww. And her brother got the jacket. So that's, I guess, her jacket. Like that's, and turns yeah. out that was the jacket, the same jacket in her size so she got the chance to buy that jacket and take it home that day so that's oh, that's, that's special. that was very special yeah. and it's going to be hard to beat that one for you uh, yeah that's special as far as people i mean i've been put in the position to meet so many phenomenal people in this industry and learn about other uh, niche markets too uh the call collecting at, uh, at an event like Callapalooza, yeah. um and then obviously the decoy world yeah. up here it's just a different it's 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 different and it's a room that i wouldn't be in Otherwise, I talked to one gentleman today who told me the story of when his grandfather came back from the Second War and plastic decoys came onto the market. Oh, they were so much lighter. And his grandpa, he this this gentleman, he, he's an exhibitor here. He 
he bought his first collection from his grandfather. And his grandfather told him, yeah, there used to be a bunch more, but uh, we burned most of them. (laughs) There's so many stories of decoys that were burned. In furnaces. Yes. It's so... (laughs) I didn't didn't know this. It is. It's... It, we talk. I've talked to this a couple of times, but it's it's a it's upset. I don't even like to think about it. It really it upsets me because well, they, the same thing. Uh, what is cheap? People, I dropped off bags of that stuff. Or I throw, the worst is when they say they threw it away. Yeah. Bags of old camouflage. But back then it was, and that was a very much a survivalist yes. generation when yeah. you're going back that far. And what is if cheap? You, and they throw it in. They needed firewood. And, well, and then they would get the weights out. Yep. And melt those down to use them for other stuff. So, I mean, there, there was a means to an end there. And I, yes, I can respect it's that. Heartbreaking. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. It is. It's heartbreaking. But it happened all over the place. Yeah. There was a guy I was talking to, I guess it was Thursday night. when We, we did the little VIP thing here mm-hmm. where you go around the, all the artists. And he was saying, he was when he was coming down, uh, I think it was in North Carolina, coming down the shore. And they had just gone into this like hardware store and he got this perfect haze decoy like it and a canvas like it was in perfect condition it was like in a gas station of all places and he was like yeah i'll sell it to you sold him for like you know 20 bucks or something stupid and they went three miles down the road and they looked over and they, it was a big bonfire and they looked at the other guys like that wasn't where i thought that was well and it was all decoys just <laughs> somebody was cleaning out their barn and it was like oh we'll just throw it all in a fire yeah i caught uh i was <laughs> I've been, I was hosted on a hunt this morning, first hunt outside the Mississippi Flyway, actually, um, by a customer of the site that's become a friend, Emery. We were on our way over to the festival this morning. Yeah. There was a there was a yard sale going on, and I definitely rubbernecked looking back at it. And he said, "You want to stop?" I was like, "I just anytime I see a yard sale with clothes out, I have to look, <laughs> make sure that if there's any camo, we need to we need to grab it, grab it. And it's it's it and it is to preserve that history yeah. more than anything. Yeah. I mean, if if I help feed my dogs with it along the way, sure that's fine, yeah, that's but that's fine. that's not the point. Uh, but to get back to your question, the the people, I mean, Toxie Hayes, that's a huge one. Mossy Oak, um, talking for to him. My first big national show um, that he was at, I was I had the chance to talk to him for the first time uh, for about an hour, and that time uh, is coveted by me. And uh, just the question, you, as you can imagine, the questions that I had for him, just ready to go. And he was, <laughs> he was, I think he was a little taken aback. Like, I, this, I didn't realize people appreciated this <laughs> stuff so he, much. <laughs> just the, the corners of things that we, uh, that he had the self-realization because he'd never really been asked it in a certain kind of way. Um, that was a really special conversation. Um, and then you know, juxtaposition to that, uh, uh, the Jordan family uh, with Realtree, um, yeah. getting the chance to connect with them at a trade show. It was actually Tyler Jordan that I met originally, and he he sought me out, said, uh, would you mind FaceTiming my dad, Bill Jordan? <laughs> and I was like, oh, absolutely. I grew up, Monster Bucks was yeah. a family staple. I, I mean, every year, it, now it's uh, what, the 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 Avengers movies come yeah. come out or Marvel movies come out. When I was a kid, it was the mo- new Monster Bucks came out. We actually had to buy them from the pawn shop. I that was, was say, yeah, I, I think we got them at uh, the like gun show. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so it was always an event every year when new Monster Bucks came out. Dad and I would sit and watch them. That was so, yeah. I mean, and it's just hard to beat those conversations. And those are definitely people that stand out. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, the most special moments are... When people rediscover a pattern or something that they'd forgotten about or find a new one that they fall in love with and learn the story behind it. And that's 
Those are the most special moments. Yeah. No, I. it's interesting that I'm sure you had no, I, I think about this with mine, but career, but you had no idea this was coming, did you? No, <laughs> no it, it, it's so special. I, I'm super thankful for everybody that's been a part of it yeah. um, along the way. And uh, I want to, there's so much more I want to do with it too. Yeah. And it's, it comes down to time and money, like yeah. most things. Yeah. And, uh, I'm thankful for anybody that's had a hand in it to date. And uh, if there's ever any way that I can answer a question for anybody listening to this, feel free to reach out. Okay. I'm, I'm happy to have that conversation. So, okay. Two things. First. I can well, keep going. You, I know, I know. <laughs> well, we'll wrap it up a little bit, but before I finish wrapping up, so I want to ask you, is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about just to our audience, to the DU audience, if there's anything you want to mention? Uh, I mean, touching on kind of the licensing of the camouflage patterns over the years. I, I mean, I don't know it too much from DU's perspective, but talking about the history. I mean, we talked about the history of camouflage yeah, for I sportsmen, mean, but what's what's that history like from Ducks Unlimited's perspective? If I don't know if that's something that you can yeah, touch we on. can we can talk about a little bit. I mean, obviously, and you can we can kind of you can help me along too because I'm not the expert. Um, we would need Jeremy or Jimmy yeah. on this show, but so. Um, but yeah, you know, it's the Bob Allen, of course, that's our first one, uh, which is... This is a quiz. I'm holding up my phone with the <laughs> with the Maynard Reese <laughs> With the Maynard Reese uh, pattern. Now, I'm not... I'll butcher the years, so I'm not even going to... I think that's 76. Chance. I think so. Yeah. Let's see. I would say 70. So that's the first. And then they, did, they also did the Rattlers pattern. Flipping that number. Yeah, so next would be their Rattlers pattern. And that's Bob Allen too, right? Or it was bought by... Bob, Rattlers was... Bob Allen bought Rattlers, correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So Rattlers did it, but then later they were bought. Yeah. Um, and so from there, I think it goes, I feel like I might be skipping one, but I think from there it goes to Realtree for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a yeah, while. And there's right. like three or four official patterns. Three. Three. And then we go, of course, now our corporate pattern is Mossy Oak and has been for quite some time. Um, and those is probably, I think it's four. It's four for Mossy Oak. That's why I get confused. It's three for, three mm. for a real tree, then four now. No, I think we just said I think what's confusing you, no, I think what's confusing you is the fact that the last one from real tree is the number four. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it is. So we've so got, I thought we just had four for, no, it is three. You're right. Yeah. One, two, three. Yeah. So yeah, it's three for Realtree, which that went all the way up until Realtree Advantage Classic is the first one. Realtree Advantage. <laughs> that went through Wetlands. the nineties, right? Advantage Early 2000s. Classic. Um, Advantage Classic. Ooh, I believe the first Advantage Classic was ninety. I'm never. I'm terrible with years. I think it was ninety four, and then Realtree. It went from that to Advantage Wetlands. I'm not so confident on the year for no, Advantage either. Wetlands. I I'd say 97 Go to the ish. museum and look at the timeline. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did the research on that one. <laughs> uh, Max 4 would have definitely been a 2000s pattern. And then uh, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass is the first That's one for Mossy Oak. Now, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass original inception was in 96, 97. I know yes. that for a fact. So this but, would have been a, re, a revisiting of right, that pattern. Correct. And it was yeah, and then they they put the logo into it. Yes, yeah, it was and then cool. same with what is here listed as OG Bottomland, yep. which was a revisitation of uh, original Bottomland, and right now Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat. Yes, that's the newest one. So that's that's uh, 
you know, that's, that's a little bit of what that exhibit captures. And I'm super thankful to you, Katie, and to Ducks Unlimited for the chance to bring that in front of people. It, it was exciting. You know, it was something that my boss actually at the time brought it up. But um, I find that people, I guess, through Camo Retro, we didn't realize the interest in our camo. You know, it's always been something like we just used for events like a way to raise money for habitat like and ducks limited has always operated in that way we're like dollars for ducks dollars for ducks yeah. dollars for ducks like that's we kind of have operated that and we really didn't operate and they've ugh, people on the podcast heard this a thousand times but you know until johnny morris was like hey do y'all want a museum in memphis we didn't think about our history at all right and then now we wake up and we're in our 80 something year i can't even remember right now like 86 or 87th year and yeah we have a history and people care about it. And um, that history is extremely tied to waterfowling in this country. And so, you know, and then when you came out with Camo Retro, like, oh, I bet people care about the, the camo that's had our logo on it and our name on it. So, and it's been well received. Um, the chapters, of course, the hats of yeah. people love those. <laughs> I think they really just see a connection. You know, they find a connection to that. And Absolutely. It means something to them. But yeah. So yes, please come to the museum and see it or give me a call and we'll figure it out. But anything else before we go? I think you answered my question, but I was I was curious to the reception of it and any feedback that y'all have gotten. I haven't gotten, you know, it's funny. I don't get a lot of feedback on my exhibits. It's um, the, actually the best way I get feedback is when I go to things like this and I meet and people, I'll finally, I'll randomly come across somebody that's been there and then they'll say something. But but in general, you know, is it's with the podcast as well. And we've, and please people, if you have a topic <laughs> that you want us to talk about, tell us. Yeah. But it's the same. And, or if you have an exhibit you want to see at the museum, tell me. Um, yeah. But we have, we, I've always been surprised with both of these avenues, like that we haven't always, like people don't, people don't say anything. And we'd love to hear feedback and, get recommendations and things but in the museum and when people see it i i can it's one of those things that um i've been in the museum there for eight years now and i can watch people that are just drawn to things and they'll come in from the waterfowling side and they see the guns first so they go straight to the guns right. and then they will go straight to that case yeah um that it it brings them in and it's definitely an age group a a younger age group that likes it. Well, it's the same thing that brings people to the DU banquets of the guns. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, Y'all know what y'all are doing. Yeah. People love guns. So yeah, yeah there, that, that always is a, a big one. And that doesn't have to be a waterfowler to look at guns. So that's right. why I think, you know, yeah. it's at a Bass Pro shop. So. Absolutely. So I think sometimes they think they might be able to buy what's in the case. So. Yeah. <laughs> which is in the, which is definitely not the case. <laughs> yeah. Some of the some of the stuff in the uh DU part of it might be available on the site one day. We'll see. See. Well the stuff that yeah. is uh what uh, on loan yeah. from, <laughs> yeah. from camera. I think Retro. I have one thing in there that's uh I mean the other stuff is modern, so that'll eventually be for sale too. But um there I think there's that one jacket that is ours yeah. other than that so before we go how do people find camo retro and you um camo retro.com okay. that's the that's the marketplace that's the website um definitely if you are in the 
business of looking for stuff to buy. Check the website first, not social media. Stuff gets listed and sold on there before I even have a chance to lay eyes on it. It's certainly happened while we've been recording this. Okay. Haven't been looking at the phone. Um, And then how, like, how do they know what shows you'll be at and stuff if they want to see you in person? uh, You know, just go to a show and I might be there. Okay. (laughs) I, uh, I don't, uh, that's been a evolving uh, sometimes I attend shows just like this one. I love being here. It's fun yeah. to go to the show. Uh, my, uh, but just pay attention to our social media and our email uh, okay. newsletter. I'll, I, I give a pretty good uh, update on what shows I'll be going to. Um, check out the website. It's free to make an account, free to list your stuff. When somebody buys your items, uh, you get their shipping information. You send it to them. And after the customer has received the item, get paid. Um, and then at Camo Retro on Instagram. And by all means, feel free to reach out if you have any questions about the gear that you're thinking about buying or already have. I'm happy to have that conversation with you and would love to hear your story. Whatever, what I tell people in the in the booth when I go to the show, in the booths when I go to the shows is I've got a history lesson for you, but if you have one for me, I'd love to hear it. Awesome. That's a great place to start. All right. Thanks, Logan. I uh, really appreciate it. This was really fun. Thank you, Katie. Uh, I'm glad we finally got to do it. Absolutely. We had we only had to travel across the country <laughs> only, to make it happen. We're really far from our homes right now. We, we <laughs> live, what, four like, hours from each other? Yeah. Mate, mate tops. And <laughs> yeah, now we're in we Maryland. <laughs> in Maryland. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Well, again, thank you so much. Thanks to our producer, Chris Isaac. And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash DU Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.